So I want to just put as a caveat that as you explore the difference between men and women's brains and that we have different abilities and gifts, that it just because there's a biology there, it doesn't negate that you can't actualize yourself in a different way to what your biology dictates. You know, just because you might have an innate joy and skill and pleasure at nurturing doesn't mean you can't be an amazing woman in your work domain or the CEO of a company or a great leader in a, you know, a boardroom of men. Hello, beautiful women, and welcome to The Claimed Podcast. I'm Anna Rova, your host, and let me tell you a little bit about myself if you're new to the podcast. I'm a femininity and feminine embodiment coach, and I run a very powerful program for single successful women who want to attract and keep committed masculine men or women who are already in relationships but want to change that feminine masculine polarity in their relationship. Claimed listeners and welcome to another awesome podcast episode. Today I have a very special guest with me. Her name is Holly Wadetsky. Holly, I've interviewed her before, as you will hear on the podcast. She's an amazing woman. I decided to bring her on board right now to talk about, obviously, updates and what's happening in her life now, but also because she is currently offering and has the enrollment open for her essential dance facilitator training that I'm super excited about. So tune in to listen to, obviously, this is all about embodiment and essential dance and being a woman and neuroscience and all of that, which is fascinating. So we start by talking about what's the hardest part about being a woman and that leads us to all kinds of different things about, you know, work-life balance and how do you do that as a modern woman while being a mother and a wife and also running your own thing and having offerings and things like that, something that we all struggle with. Then we talk about, you know, what is the best part about being a woman? And then we dive into, you know, who Holly is, what are her offerings? We talk a lot about embodiment and what happens when a woman is fully expressed and when women come together and move their bodies and get out of their shells and how that affects, how embodiment practices affect their life in general. And that leads us to the facilitation training that she's starting on March 1st, which is an amazing experience. So I highly recommend you check that out. And last but not least, we talk about neuroscience, which, you know, which I know nothing about. That's why I inquire and I ask a lot of questions around that. And yeah, we end with, you know, what's the neuroscience with men and women and what's happening there. So really great episode. I hope you will enjoy it. And I'm sure you will. So listen up and I'll see you at the end. Hello, claimed listeners. Today I have a super special guest. She's been on the podcast before and we had an amazing time, although we had some conditions around it. Holly Wodetsky is with us today, all the way from Brisbane, Australia. Welcome, Holly. Hi, Anna. Thanks for having me. Hi, welcome. Super excited to be speaking with you today because we, I kind of remember, well, I do remember our first episode that we did was when our babies were about eight months. Mm. When was your baby born? October baby. October, okay. Yeah. So mine is December, so it's about eight months. We were both very much in the thick of it, I think, last time we talked. <laughs> I was maybe huddled in a car 
at night time. Yeah, you're in the car. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we talk about sensuality and embodiment and all of that. It was a great episode. I'm just trying now looking at what episode number was that because I think listeners might you know reference. So that's episode 117. It's called Listening to the Tremor in Your Heart and Embracing mm. the Raw Mother Energy. So yeah, yeah. we definitely talk about, about raw mother <laughs> energy. And today, Holly, you're in a very different space. Mm. I wanted to really catch up with you and there's a lot of stuff brewing on your side. And I don't know if you still feel that raw mother energy, but my sense is that you, you're transforming that into something else with your offerings in the world and who you are as a woman and like newer science stuff. So we're going to geek in about all of that. But first, let me ask you some cool questions, some icebreaker yeah, stuff. I'm not sure if I asked you that last time, but let's see. So... Holly, mm. what is the hardest part about being a woman? Oh, I could definitely say at the moment, the hardest part about being a woman, particularly if you have children, is the work-life-family balance and particularly in relationship mm. around wanting to be a nurturing homemaker and having a beautiful space and being there with your family and being available with your husband and then also wanting to actualize yourself in your own offerings and business. That could in a it's an ongoing podcast. challenge. <laughs> <laughs> How are you managing that? Like what? Because I mean, obviously, I'm in the thick of it, and I think so many women are. So up to date, like what has been your solution to that? Yeah, I don't know if I have a solution, but I can tell you where I've been and where I'm at now. So I had during the COVID period here in Australia where I wasn't able to run my business because we do live events. I had a full year almost of just being the stay-at-home mom, making beautiful food and being available for my husband and getting to do my embodiment practices and being there with my child and kind of, in a way, I guess, fulfilling the stereotypical feminine role. And I Mm -hmm. loved it so much. And in that period also, I didn't have a lot of desire for whatever reason, to be putting anything out into the world. And whether that's to do with some hormones from birth or still breastfeeding or whatever it was. And now just recently, I've had a transition where I'm really inspired about my work again and I really have so much creative energy that I want to actualise and suddenly, oh, we're not getting a glorious meal made every evening and I'm not so available and I'm pretty tired at the end of the day. And renegotiating that with my husband where there is more balance. And I think it's a tricky thing because there's not only the relationship itself and what is each person's expectations of the roles that we play in relationship and creating and maintaining the polarity that comes with those roles. And then also the pressure that maybe comes from society of what a good mother and a a Mm -hmm. modern woman looks like. Um, So I can't say that I have a solution, but definitely communication has been key to kind of mitigate the expectations that both people in the partnership have. And I don't know if this is, I don't know if I should say this, I actually am thriving on having a really set periods where I'm fully in a feminine, creative, flowing role and then really rapidly being able to switch into, okay, now I'm getting shit done and we've got stuff to do. And it's interesting, that switch I think is a skill and a practice that can be cultivated 
And I was listening to a podcast recently from a neuroscientist who works with kind of high-performing executives and athletes and coaches, and he said the number one thing that he sees people who do high-perform is this ability to switch, to go between a relaxed, calm, flowing, going with the feeling and moving more intuitively and creatively, and then being able to switch into, okay, now I'm I'm getting this and I'm focused and I've kind of I've got things to do and having mm-hmm. a, a drive towards those. So um, I think a lot of people, it's a practice to cultivate them. We're naturally gravitating more to one side or the other in our day-to-day life and it can feel like, I don't know, trying to turn around a huge ship to kind of bring yourself, if you're in a really masculine mode of being, to kind of bring yourself down into a more calm and flowing and body-based way of moving through the world. Yeah, sure. So I have two follow-up questions here for you. So Mm. the first one is about, as you said, you know, it's that conversation and the communication that you have. First of all, I love that you said, you know, the year that I spent as a mom and as that traditional feminine woman role, I just absolutely loved it. Even for that holiday, you could have been like, what are you talking about? You know, totally. I was was weak and submissive. (laughs) I loved it it so much. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Oh, and seeing my husband light up in that year, like I really felt how much, like he just became this superhero in work and he got promoted and like he just came home so full of purpose because of the environment that I was creating to just mm-hmm. nourish him through how nourished I was and being with my family. So, look, I don't hesitate to say there's something I would even suggest biologically in women that just loves that shit and you know it doesn't mean because we're really good at it and being nourished by it that that's the only thing that we can do yeah but there's some part of us that loves it so much to just let it all go yeah it's it's biology and it's evolutionary psychology that's what I keep banging about all the time but of course I'm not the type of a woman who, you know, is just kind of promoting women to women this message and idea. Let's go back to the 50s and be submissive. And like, you know, if although for a lot of us, that would actually be so much more fulfilling than having to go to work nine to five or run a business or whatever. And so, of course, as a modern woman today, and I love how like, there's all these cycles, right? Especially when, like, all of this happens, I think, to most women when you want to nest, you don't want to, mm-hmm. you don't care about, you know, b- work and whatever. Like, all of this is directly related to children when we do have children, because you got to go introspective into your body and, like, it's like you're breastfeeding. And so, anyways, hormones come into play. Yeah, it's fascinating. And then there comes a point where, you know, and I think from the 50s, that's what, women were happy there but then they were unhappy there because they realized okay, hang on it's that's not who I am entirely I also have dreams and ambitions and mm-hmm. ideas and creative projects and all that so now you're in that phase and yeah well my phase is a bit different now because my phase is also changing and I know we talked in the beginning should we discuss but you know I'm now pregnant with my second baby so on the contrary <laughs> Holly we're kind of like when you're now going kind of up your offerings and energy in the world I'm like going down on all that (laughs) you know it's oh my god it's amazing so on a practical level I want to talk about and I can also share my example because obviously like we run a business and you know 
and it's quite successful. And I'm also a mother and a wife. And like, how do I, like you, as you said, you know, that's the hardest part. So I'm curious on a practical level for you, mm-hmm. what has been, because I'm imagining just like me, Holly, you don't want to fully switch into that masculine role. You, we still want to maintain the husband's spark in his eyes when he comes home and, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I'm the hero here and being there for your daughter. But at the same time, being able to get shit done and, you know, yeah. so we're fulfilled on both of these, in both of these roles. So on a practical level, what did you find that works for you right now? Yeah. So, yeah, I agree that those those parts of ourselves are really important, both in my view, and I think it's the same as you're uh, suggesting, is you have that kind of masculine part of yourself that does want to do business and wants to achieve the things and get it done and actualize your individuality into the world. And then the feminine part that really wants, that has no agenda and wants to, you know, experience the fullness of life and pleasure in your body and be radiant and desirable and magnetic and all of those things. And I really find a lot of value in both those parts of me. And as I mentioned before, this switching capacity of being able to move between that I can like be amazingly productive in periods during the day with my work and then switch it into like, hey, honey, I'm available for you. Let's, you know, whatever, connect and 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 then play with a child where you're like building blocks for three hours but you just had like you just negotiated like a contract with somebody 10 minutes ago and now you're mm-hmm. playing animals or whatever. And the big tools for that for me, surprise, is embodiment. And also mm-hmm. I've been recently exploring more of neuroscience of how you can use breath and touch and even your gaze and relaxing certain parts of the body to be able to switch between those two systems because they actually have a biological basis, what we typically call masculine and feminine, they have a biology in the body in terms of your nervous system function, whether you're in an alert dopamine-driven, more technically be like a, a sympathetic nervous system response where you're alert and you're wanting to move towards things. That's a function in the body that we kind of overuse, I guess, in, in our society. And then we have the parasympathetic system that's more based on like serotonin and oxytocin and these chemicals in the brain that typically don't move you forward. They make you satisfied with where you are. You have the feeling of like, oh, this is great and I'm I'm enjoying this and I'm happy and I feel pleasure in the body. That system is also the system that makes you want to have sex and it makes you want to go to sleep when you're tired and it makes you Um, feel calm and comfortable where you are and you could kind of I'm more and more as I explore this area seeing that there is distinct systems in the body as well as what we typically call masculine and feminine that we can switch between using practical tools so from going from things that um, make your energy go more into one system and utilize your brain and like thoughts are dictating how you behave, like I want to do this now, and then you go and do whatever it is, that action, or you're feeling your body and allowing the body to lead and the nervous system to lead you, and then that dictates what your behaviour is. So it's kind of like a bottom-down, top-up approach. And the Mm -hmm. bottom 
up is what embodiment is. It's allowing the sensations and the experience of what's in your body to lead your your actions. Yeah, makes sense. So we're going to dive into neuroscience here. So embodiment practices, right. But what were these conversations that you were having with your husband about, okay, I was home for a year, I was cooking pies and like Mm. being a domestic goddess and now things are shifting and changing. So let's talk about what are the things that we need to do in order to change a few things, right? So for me personally, Holly, that has been, you know, my husband stepping up and for example, you know, because I have calls in the morning or, you know, calls in the evening, he would be the one to, you know, perhaps pick up Zoe a lot more from daycare or, you know, step up. And I mean, we have a different arrangement because we both work from home. We're on a business from Mm. home. So we have a lot more flexibility there. But in, in terms of for you and on a practical level, like what was the conversation and the arrangements that you had to make mm. between the two of you to make sure that you, you know, get out there and get shit done and also have the time to be like, hello, honey, yeah. I'm here for you, you know? Look, I would love to say that we sat down and had this lovely conversation <laughs> and reality that was definitely pure. I was like, Look, I'm working now, so I can't do all this shit anymore. (laughs) (laughs) There was definitely a few of those uh, conversations. I think it was really about expressing to him how much my work also lights me up and that it's something that I value and allows me to give more to Heidi and my husband and the world when I'm able to have time to delve into my work as well. and. I think him valuing that when I expressed it allowed him to move more into a role where he's supporting me to do that and not from a feminine space but from like a masculine kind of holding space. Like he's holding the potential for me to be able to take time to do work. So I'll, you know, I'll do dinner tonight or I'll look after Mm -hmm. Heidi so that you can go do this thing that I know lights you up so much that I see the benefits of after I've got to go and, you know, do central embodied dance and meet with people who inspire me and work creatively on what I wanted to do. Then when I switch out of that kind of doing mode, but I'm still lit up and energized by having got to do that. Then when I come to him, he can feel that within me different of if I'm just like continuing to do the domestic goddess work and leaving this part of me off the table mm. then yeah. he, he also only gets half a woman because he because I'm like resentful in some way that I didn't mm. get to explore what my desire is fully yeah it's so interesting how one kind of spills into the other uh, right mm. like when when you're supported at home and when you when you are that feminine domestic goddess with your man and with your child that and you're happy in that realm and you have the space and the time to play in that polarity that gives you the energy to then come into your work and uh, do yeah. amazing work. And then your work, because you're fulfilled there, that also fills up your cup in this. It's kind of like, you know, yeah. a bit of a cycle um, yeah. there. Yeah. The communicating what those things are that are vital to you feeling enlivened with your partner so that they can also value them and support you in being able to nourish yourself that way is is pretty essential because otherwise, I don't know, if he thought I was just doing some frivolous thing because he thinks that society expects women to also do work, 
then he's going to be like, no, it's not worth it. Like I'd Mm -hmm. rather you be at home and happy. But if I can communicate that this is so important and enriching to me that I have to also follow this desire, then he's he's cool with it. He, He wants me to find that happiness in me also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Cool. So we're going to talk about neuroscience in a moment because I already mm-hmm. have a burning question here. Um, but let's continue with our question. So that was the hardest part about being a woman, which is, you know, obviously. Oh, yeah, that, that was the fun question at the opening, that was wasn't the fun it? Question that came into, <laughs> yeah, it became very serious. And so now, mm. what's the best part about being a woman? Mm. Oh, I just want to say having a body. <laughs> Having a woman's body, like, I don't know, having breasts and butt cheeks and, like, soft-feeling skin and Mm -hmm. I don't – well, it's hard to say, right, because I'm also not a man. So (laughs) I think that – and it's not that it's exclusive to women, but just the heightened, intuitive, sensitive, feeling body of a woman is such a pleasure. Mm. Like to be able to to dance and feel the curves of your hips and what it can elicit in people when you share it, share that like glorious feminine energy with others. Like I don't know if there's that much else that can uh, turn me on that <laughs> in the same way. <laughs> yeah. And I know perhaps some of the women listening or even a lot of the women listening to you talk about it don't really have – like a sense of that yet Mm -hmm. you know there's so many women who and you know I I say that because these are the women that I work with right it's like yeah the idea or the belief there is that I have a woman's body Mm. and I actually don't want to have a woman's body yeah because of all these different things that I have to deal with you know like cycles and oh my god pregnancy you know like Mm -hmm. I I'm currently working with a woman and we're working on the whole belief transformation she's like i don't see any benefits yeah in having and i understand because it's also a very complex body a women's body and it's a body that's been uh had a a lot of opinions imposed on it (laughs) yeah yeah look i understand that because they're the women i work with also and it's probably Mm. why we both do the work that we do because we've found how glorious it can be to have a woman's body and I, I can very much relate to you before I started um, doing embodiment and dance, sensual dance, that I didn't care for my body at all. Like it, I treated it as the thing that moved my head around. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I do the work that I do now because I want all women to know that experience of their body, how incredible it is, the range of things that it can experience and do is so powerful and we just are disconnected from it for so many different reasons. Um, but mm-hmm. every woman has the capacity to experience the fullness in her body. It's not yeah. like only a few get it. It's uh, it's just a skill that you can cultivate. Yeah, even the experience of bearing children, giving birth to children, mm. raising children, a lot of women look at it as like that is the biggest punishment that a woman has. And I'm like... Oh, that kind of breaks my heart a little bit. (laughs) I know. And I'm aware that that's the general thinking. Yeah. And it's really sad, hey? It's because for me, that has been the most incredible experience. And I realized. Likewise. 
men will never experience that, even though my my birth, you know, wasn't the most amazing experience of my life. But at the same time, you're just constantly in awe what your body mm. can do, what it should mm-hmm. do. And like, you know, I'm a mammal and things are happening. And anyway, so we can talk about this forever. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting how so women really, there is that disconnect, a rejection of themselves, yeah. a resistance to their cycles and their bodies. And yeah. and that's why I think we're doing this work to help women really get in touch with that and make yeah. peace. And mm. there's that constant internal conflict. Um, and if you don't want to be in your body, then that's going to affect all of your life. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's lots of reasons why that disconnection happens, whether it's the a narrative over time about women's bodies that they're dangerous or whatever, or it's because mm. there's been a traumatic experience and it's much easier to cope if you don't connect to your body. Um, there's so many different reasons, but I know it's the same with your work and my work is like as soon as you start to explore what's there, it kind of opens up a whole new world and way of living that most people, I certainly hadn't before I started doing this kind of work, have just just never even knew was possible. Like, yeah, there, there wasn't a comprehension that you could live your life via, you know, your body informing you and and the pleasure that is there informing how you move through the world. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. Let's throw in a light question here, and then we'll move on. If you had a tattoo, where and what would it be? Ooh, tough one. I don't have any tattoos and I've mm. never wanted one because I've never thought I've had something that I would want for the rest of my life. I don't know, Anna. What comes to mind, and this is obviously poorly thought through, I would have like some sort of tattoo on my hand in the position you write notes that you want to remember that would say something like, remember you will die. <laughs> because oh. cause that really... When I think about remembering that I will die, it fills me with a huge sense of aliveness to cherish the life that I have at the moment while I'm alive. Hmm. It could be a bit pessimistic, remembering Sounds you will a bit die. Morbid, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I have, yeah. I have that kind of relationship um, with death. Mm. I had a lot of people die around me when I was young and mm. it made me feel like, oh, well, that's going to happen eventually and I better really embrace the life that I do have. Hmm. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing to take out of it because I also had, well, family members and death around me, but what that did to me is actually create some traumatic events mm. and memories where I, I don't think I still made peace with the death in general. So I'd love to get to a place where it's like, yeah, it will happen. Don't mm. need to think about it now. Just live your life day by day and enjoy because, you know, life yeah. is short and you will die. It mm. just terrifies me. That thought still terrifies yeah. me. Yeah, there's a yes. I think you're not alone in that one. But there's some. I don't know. I, I've I've done some practices in my past to like really explore mm. death, and there is there's a lot of aliveness in that anxiety that we typically have around death. Mm-hmm. And what kind of practices were, were those? Maybe I should write them down and look into them. Oh, I I wouldn't necessarily recommend one with a child. Like a couple was I. I spent four days in a dark room in like a little Tibetan dome where you have no light and um, no external senses 
and it gives you the experience because you get this DMT naturally releases in your brain after four days and you kind of have an experience of dying. And I hated it. Why did you do that? Why did I do it? I was doing a a lot of meditation at the time. Okay. And I was curious because a lot of people had very interesting and positive experience from it. It's kind of, if you could think of the most masculine spiritual practice that you could ever do in your life, that's it. Like sitting alone in the dark with nothing. Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, nothing and nothing and nothing and nothing and endless nothing. Oh, were you eating? I mean, I'm assuming somebody was bringing you food. Yeah, there it, there was food like that was given in a double door, so no light came in. Um, but after a while, the state of mind that you go into is so full of nothing, for lack of a better word, that you don't even really want to eat. Like there's, you just go into a different headspace where you kind of lose sense of your body altogether because you don't, you know, you don't see where your hands are in space, or you can't really recognize that your eyes are open or closed or where you are located mm-hmm. in a room or anything. So you, it's a really different experience of just being consciousness or being an infinite nothingness, like the opposite of embodied, which is also very interesting. But um, okay. I didn't like it. It was very, um, it was a, it was a very challenging experience, but I think about it fondly also. It opened up something in me that, um, changed my relationship to death but I wouldn't actively seek to do it again (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah that sounds really intense wow beautiful amazing okay hi girlfriends sorry to interrupt Uh, you're listening to the episode but I quickly wanted to jump in and let you know that I have prepared something exciting for you. If you're interested in polarity, femininity, and how to embrace your feminine and how to attract primarily masculine men in your life, this announcement is going to be very useful for you because I'm talking about my signature uh, training. Uh, I'm like, how do I describe this experience? Because it's really an experience, you know. This is a signature training, my one-hour webinar that I've put together. And it honestly, it's it's been through a few iterations in the last two years. But I feel like this is the best yet training of mine that didn't come from, you know, reading two books and three courses and like coming together in a copy-paste thing that I now advise women to do. No, this has come from me, my own lived experience through my dating life and through finding and attracting the masculine man of my dreams and then marrying him and creating a family. This also came, yes, indeed, from a lot of research and learning and courses and coaches and, oh my God, you name it. You know, it's been a, it's been a journey of five years for me about that time. And also this has come from my clients. So the previous training, how is this different if you've signed up for another training of mine? which was the live female success, by the way. This is different because this is now coming through a distillation of my work one-on-one with women who I've helped get to that place where they're just attracting better men and they start attracting better masculine men and are on their way to actually to a relationship eventually. Not only masculine, but also masculine committed men. So if you are in a situation where you are attracting men that are less than desirable, let's say they're feminine men who don't want to lead, don't want to take charge, and men who are unavailable, then this training is for you. I will have to call 
all this training, how to start attracting your masculine committed men, basically in 30 days or less. And in this training, I will share with you some of the key things that I've learned throughout this journey that are helping. That's what my work with women is based on. So in this 60-minute training, you'll find the number one reason why you're still single and can't attract a committed masculine men. It's not what you think. How to break through the panthers of attracting unavailable or feminine men, as I said, and find your blind spot so you can attract the men you want. How to master the feminine masculine polarity so you start feeling taken care of, claimed, and finally be able to let go of control and uncover the lie of female success that's keeping you stuck, exhausted, and unfulfilled, which means in masculine energy all the time. So you can start living in freedom and joy and much, much more. So if you're interested, go to girlskill.com slash webinar sign up and I can't wait for you to see this training and to let me know how it went and by the way there's no replays for this so make sure you select the time that you can show up and be fully present all right I'm gonna jump off and you continue listening to this episode all right well uh half an hour into our interview Holly it's the time to introduce yourself such light questions too to start off Sorry. I mean, you know, I didn't know you were going to say that and this is going to lead us to that. So, you know, it's like we're like going in circles around the, around it. So that's fine. That's, how, you know, it is what it is. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Holly, tell us who you are and what you do. <laughs> so I'm an embodiment teacher, I guess, for lack of a better word. I don't know what my actual title is. So I've been running a embodiment and dance school for the last 10 years where it's called Central Embodied Movement and it's also in a modality called Shiva Shakti Dance, which is more about polarity. But overall, it's about cultivating an intimate relationship with your body and the aliveness that is continually flowing through it. So we're looking at a practice that increases your capacity for life and pleasure and beauty to express itself through you and a way of moving through the world that's amplifying the graciousness and innate wisdom that's in the body and a kind of devotion to the great mystery of being alive that we do find ourselves here and what is our desire and purpose as informed by our heart and our body in this time that we have to tack on to the end of our last conversation. So it's we're, we're acknowledging that there's this well of pleasure and radiance residing within every single person and, and within you and that even though our lifestyle and our mind can be so busy that it takes us away from that aliveness and innate wisdom, beauty that's there, and our body can be too tense to feel it, that there's this wellspring and birthright as a woman of what you can access. There's a a magic there, and we're looking at all different techniques and ways of becoming more attuned to that and expressing it in the world. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah so you've been doing that for the last 10 years mm, yeah that is crazy yeah it was a real <laughs> 10 years it's a long time yeah it was really in the beginning it was the real wild wild west of embodiment and sex sexual and erotic and sensual practices because nobody was doing anything like that mm-hmm. back then and there was no trauma informed anything and it was really free to just try lots of like I held weekly classes for five years where I was just trying lots of different things based on my own practices and what I was finding was working and um and it's just again such a momentum in the last 10 years like women are really craving this 
feminine embodiment and things that bring them back to their desires and what they really want and fulfills them in the world. So mm-hmm. it's great. It's great to see that there's more and more of that because I think we need it. Yeah. And so for the last, you know, five, I mean, last year, I guess you kind of took a pause because of COVID. Mm. I'm just curious to give women an idea of, because, you know, obviously I'm a feminine embodiment coach and I work Mm -hmm. with women who want to, you know, really embody their feminine because I work with a lot of women who are in their head and their masculine and that's from that feminine attract a masculine man and create that polarity in the relationship and we also work we use feminine embodiment to work through our limiting beliefs around men women relationships and rediscover ourselves as women and all of that so it, that's like the coaching modality of it I understand really well yeah. and obviously like I'm guiding women through it but when it comes to I mean I have been to workshops I haven't been to your workshop unfortunately mm-hmm. Hopefully that will happen soon, but I I have done like group and hopefully I'm fingers crossed. Well, I'm like, all right, end of this year, we're going to have an event. And I'm like, yeah, no, because I'm going to have a baby in my arms. I'm like, all right, (laughs) maybe next year, you know, but there's real power. Like I felt it when I'm doing my embodiment practice on my own. Obviously that's one thing can be very powerful and transformational, but I've experienced when I'm doing these um, well, you call it like sensual dance, but it, I guess it's the same thing in terms of when I came together with other women in a circle and when mm. we moved together to a song and, you know, the song can be very kind of like gentle and we're using the four pillars of embodiment, which is how I, I learned my stuff is, you know, breath, awareness, movement and sound and the song changes to one and the other and you do that for an hour or two and you don't know where you are and it's like, oh my God. Like honestly, I've had, you know, the retreat that we had with Jenna. I've Like Jenna Ward is, obviously everybody knows Jenna Ward on this podcast. <laughs> but my journey with her has been through different programs and offerings. And I remember we got together on a retreat and as we talked and as she guided us through it in the room, longer practices, an hour or two, like, stuff just started coming out for me. I started, you know, seeing textures and different like materials and lace and like a skirt that goes around for kilo. kilo. I don't know. It was just something, oh my God, like out of this world, you know, it was a state of trance. Mm-hmm. I could access so many different things about me. And so anyways, and yeah, I could definitely see the power of that. So what I'm curious and for you maybe to explain for the women listening is this something that is this similar to what you would do um, you know, in your workshops? Yeah, it's a big part of meeting. You know, I, ha- I haven't transitioned Shiva Shakti Dance online for this very reason, that there is such mm. a magic that happens when you're gathering with women. Particularly, we focus on a part that's about empathetic learning or resonating with other women because Every woman has such an incredibly unique makeup and temperament and way of being that when we come together, it's like a smorgasbord of experience opens to you, whether you're intentionally connecting with that or not. But you spend time with women who are different to you and because the only place that you can feel things is in your own body, when you feel them in you, you're activating that within your own realm of possibility of how you can then move and express yourself in the world. So, you know, if you have somebody who's really fiery and they're dancing with somebody who's really watery, they they share things together and then 
there's a much broader spectrum of what each woman can express through their body. So it's like a, a learning through resonance that happens. And so that's kind of one part that you expand the spectrum of what's possible by spending time with women who activate different things in you. And then the other aspect that we focus on a lot that honestly makes my jaw drop every single time I see it despite having done this for so long is the the exponentially greater power and energy that's created beyond the sum of the parts when women come together. We do an exercise, for instance, where women begin dancing individually within a circle of people who are witnessing them, who are embodying that masculine role, and they begin to move together and they begin to interact together. And you see it change from, say, four women dancing individually, and then you just see this the woman kind of state happens. It's like this throbbing, like the feminine, the big woman, that they're no longer these individual people, that they're just this like points of reference for this greater pulse of life that's unfolding before your eyes. And mm-hmm. when when women, it's amazing to watch, but when women experience that from the inside, it really breaks down a lot of those barriers that I think women often have between other women that another woman is going to take something from me mm-hmm. or I have to compete with her or compare myself with her or I'm jealous or envious or all those different things. You see that when you can connect with another woman that there's exponentially more greatness for both of you to come into. Yeah, and that brings me to the thought. So you know, Holly, how you like geeking out in your science. I have geeked mm. out on evolutionary psychology, like just, crazy and fascinating and what I learned from that and a lot of that I've brought into my work mm-hmm. and what I learned from that is actually how and it's fascinating because men do not experience that but how women like what you said an exponential how women and why women actually are thriving together with other women in tribes because when we think about you know thousands and thousands of years ago how women actually survived and managed to protect their babies. Like if we were all in one tribe in a village in a cave, Holly, the only way we would survive and keep our babies safe is in numbers. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we, I mean, just by default of division of labor and everything, and because we had babies, now we're both mothers. We know that. Like you can't just go into the wild and like, practice your archery or whatever although <laughs> you know if, if i guess if they had the modern daycares and stuff like this they this is how i guess a woman or whatever their offerings would be but there's like real evidence of why that happens and how that happens yeah. because men don't experience that they never needed to do that they were very living a very solitary they needed to be, first of all, quiet to, you know, go and hunt to prey. Obviously, they would devise a strategy and do it together. But it was all like very individualistic in that way, very masculine. But then with women, because we were always together, always carrying babies on our side, when a predator would come in, we would literally gather together to protect and we would make yeah. a lot of noise and stuff like that. And so when you're talking about this, like, all women becoming one, I can definitely see that. And we've lost now today, we've just lost that connection and the capacity mm. to, to connect on not a mind level, but 
a lot of like body resonance because you know we go to offices and then we come home like yeah women's circles is something that the woohoo spiritual ones like me and you do (laughs) (laughs) you know so yeah wow that's fascinating Mm -hmm. yeah and it's it's just so beautiful to see that that barrier break of this you know I don't know if this was your experience I remember when I was younger and I would go to the disco and I'd be really super awkward like I was definitely not naturally a dancer at in the beginning of my life and I would see you know the cool chick doing some moves and I would not to do her moves because I didn't want to seem like I'm copying her because then it seems weird and yeah now, I don't know if my, that might have just been me in my very awkward teenage years and now I see women they see a woman moving in a way that is that inspires them and they start moving in the same way they start breathing in the same way as her they let their face take on the same expression and her gestures and it's like you can almost enter into and wear someone else's body and then you take on all of the beautiful qualities that they have yeah within you like what an amazing way to learn to like move through the world and see different perspectives if we can enter all those different points of view and flavors Mm -hmm. that are Mm -hmm. available and then when you come home to your man you're like you're like a thousand different women. Why would he ever want to cheat on you? Because you've got like a thousand different flavors to offer. Yeah. Well, that actually, now that you're saying that, I remember, you know, because Michaela Bohm is obviously, I'm assuming she's one of your teachers as well, because mm-hmm. I know you've done some things with her and, you know, in her book, The Wild Woman's Way, as far as I remember, she talks about, is that her? I think she talks about, you know, the idea of archetypes and roles and how, you know, with men, why the masculine love so much being around a feminine because the feminine can shift and transform and mold into like a warrior goddess and then into like a sensual goddess. And then you come in and like, you're this, I don't know. Yeah. You're the variety of life. Yeah, the variety yeah. Of, of feminine flavors that's within us that we can yeah. mold and shift. And try. I constantly do that. So it's so freaking weird. I don't know if you experienced that. I actually, so like with Jenna mm-hmm. and with my other teachers, the more time I spend with them, the more I, and I guess even in circles, we talked about receiving the codes or whatever, but I'm so good at emulating somebody who I respect and observe in the way they move in the way they t- I start like I uh, and it's unconscious because I I started yeah. talking like Jen and using yeah. words like <laughs> the flavor of your being you're like what is that these are not my words and then you know just like sitting like her but it's not only another woman I do it with men as well that I yeah it's 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 amazing how that happens so unconsciously how we emulate and step into a different I don't know if it's like a female thing or men do that yeah. as well yeah. I think it's. I think both can do it, um, but I think f- women have an innate capacity to do it a little bit more because mm-hmm. you know we have to empathize with children, right? We're biologically driven to be able to feel into our child when they're crying. Yeah. What do they want? And so we have that ability to extend ourselves to embrace someone else's experience a lot easier. Yeah. Well, now I want to experience your workshops. <laughs> and then the other part is also. So we do a lot of um, resonating with each other and collective work and that's actually a huge part of just you walk into a room where you see women who are fully expressed and they're giving you permission to also do that and that's just magic in itself because it's like, oh, mm-hmm. I can I can do this. This thing that I've 
not been able to express anywhere else in my life, here in this space I can do it. Like I often have women yeah. like I don't show up in the world anywhere else except in these classes, like in this yeah. incredibly pleasurable way. So that's one aspect, the the communion with each other. And then the other part is then you also are an individual and you have your unique energy signature and your unique desires and you don't want to forever be dancing like everyone else or, you know, talking all the same language as the person you so admire. So it's mm. also digesting all of these different flavours and then finding what's your, like, your unique expression, what do you uniquely bring to a space and what are your gifts in the world? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's why I love embodiment work, like that full expression. I know exactly what you mean because when I get on my group coaching calls with women, when I guide them into the body or when we do a little drop-in or whatever, it's you're accessing that place of like when there's no inhibitions, you know, when you are able to dive drop into your body and into your own truth which the truth on a day-to-day basis you know it's it's like expectations and walls and you know like hierarchies and rules and shit like that Mm -hmm. that you think you need to conform and there's all these questions and you know constrictions in your body and what I found Holly which I think that's why you do these sessions because then women perhaps take that new knowing or that wisdom and they they take that into their lives and because they see how much of an impact it is because yeah like I work with women to do that for the primary purpose of attracting somebody who matches who they are and what they want and their new belief systems but it also spills into all other areas of life you know women say the more I practice embodiment my boss is telling me I'm a lot calmer Uh, my relationships Mm -hmm. have changed because I don't have an agenda or story Mm -hmm. anymore I just show up as me and like take it or leave it you know I got no problem if you unfollow me and like that's for me embodiment was when I got to that I was like I don't need to convince you of anything. If you don't agree with me, no worries. Unfollow, unsubscribe, delete, you know. (laughs) It's all good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the best thing about embodiment, in my opinion, because it spills into when you rest in that place in your own body, it literally affects and spills into every single part of your life and relationship you have because your body is always there. Like it's it's always there with you, whether you're parenting or, you know, relating with your husband or you're having sex or you're dealing with your boss or you're getting the groceries or you're public speaking, like your body is there. And if you can rest in that and be informed by the sensations of that and be familiar with how you're feeling, then everything becomes enhanced because you have like an anchor point to refer to in any given moment yeah. in contrast to if you're living in ideas that are and thoughts that are constantly transient in your head and then you go to relate like you can't feel that other person and you're trying to think about whatever mm-hmm. it is but you don't you're like flailing because ultimately you're not rested yeah and informed by your own wisdom absolutely so I interviewed two of my clients yesterday who are seeing a lot of success in the program and the process. And well, first of all, so interesting that we start talking about what are the results that you're seeing with the, all of them, of course, mentioned embodiment. They don't always 
talk about the men. They just talk about themselves that, you know, <laughs> I, I, lived, I lived a life where I was checking boxes and I was looking for data and evidence. And I was literally like so analytical all the time, being in my mind, trying to find a solution, think about it, strategize, all of that. And as you said, like, oh my God, it's just like, I, I can't even imagine what, because I don't know that life anymore for a few years, you know, but but I know what they're going through because your, your, your mind, your head, I mean, it's just a story that's not even real most of the time. And then you just get <laughs> caught up with that, lost in that. And then you're right, when you're with somebody else, it's, it's all like you're in your head. You can't even relate or yeah. feel or be here and now because you're in your head so much with all these thoughts that you can't contain, control. Yeah, you can do meditation. That's a really amazing practice, but it's still, it's so much up here and not just like, well, what do you feel right now? And how does it feel? Can you accept and welcome that and just be with that? Yeah. And if you're going to have a relationship or even a friendship, but a relationship that's based on you being able to feel the other person, if you can't feel yourself, then... If you're just mm. thinking about, oh, what's the best thing to say or, you know, what should be done here? How do I make him like me or whatever it is? Like you're yeah. not feeling like, oh, what is this person's experience and how does that relate to my experience and are we even compatible and all of those things come from mm-hmm. you essentially know what's inside you first. Yeah. So when we, you know, when I work with women and with men, you know, with their dating life or whatever, they're constantly like most of the women just, you know, have a checklist of like, okay, he should be this and this and that, or like this and this and that, or what should I do? What should I say? And I'm like, well, I can't give you a manual or a textbook, although a lot of other relationship coaches and dating coaches give you a text. Here's a texting guide. I'm like, you're never going to get that for me. What you are going to get is the biggest question I ask them when you're on a date, how does it feel, right? Yeah. How did you feel when you were on that date? Did it feel like you wanted to feel when you were with a man, you know? And then, of course, in the beginning of the program, in the journey we talk about, what is your embodied goal? How do you want to feel with a man? Well, if you don't feel like that with a man and then you give him a few chances, you go like time, you know, you need to experience that in time and then after three, four, five dates, I don't know how long that's going to take you. It's very clear that you're not feeling how you're feeling, then you move on. So the only guiding principle here in my work when women get together with men is like, how does it feel and not yeah. how does it think? And does he check all the boxes? Because that's yeah. really... Will your parents story. like it? It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, absolutely. well, let's move on, Holly. So... Just want to conclude, it's really interesting how you describe those workshops because I can see, and now I can see how, you know, I would benefit from this because I I know that you're kind of doing pair work as well and then group work and you're kind of facilitating Mm -hmm. that, which is beautiful because I have never experienced that. And I know now you're offering what you're so juiced about that's starting in, is it February or March? Uh, First of March, yeah. First of March, you are actually facilitating Okay, well, you, you, you tell me, what what are you doing now? So you're teaching oh, others so much. Yeah. yeah, I'm offering a sensual embodied dance facilitator training and it's a six-month online program. And it's for women who have experienced the power of coming back into their body and embodiment and, like I mentioned in the beginning, have this desire to want to share it with other people. 
So it's a training and certification that take women through a framework, the one that I've been using for the last 10 years of central embodied dance that allows varying different ways of helping women sensitize their body, unravel tension, come into contact with their erotic desires, their sensuality, through a whole variety of practices. There's a lot of individual practices, there's relational practices, there's a methodology for setting up the conditions within yourself to have a kind of ecstatic experience, like a dance-induced orgasm (laughs) that requires no, you know, touching or anything. It's just allowing the fullness of the aliveness that's always there available in your body that we're often not open to, to just let that emerge from within you. So that's the the stream of embodiment is a variety of different practices that um, I've road tested and they're really effective. And then the other side, uh, the other stream is um, a facilitation skills component that is all about looking at what is embodiment, how can you talk about it, how do you uniquely show up as a facilitator, what's your unique voice and impact in the world and then we go into the neuroscience of transformation so that facilitators can understand and see why people meet change in various different ways because even though we're talking a lot about pleasure and the body being such an enjoyable thing and connecting with other women obviously there's also lots of triggers and uh, limitations and inhibitions and places you you feel restricted and when we come up to meet those parts of ourselves or, you know, we meet a woman and she just like irritates you so much, what is it in you that is irritated and kind of the process of how we meet change and transformation um, using neuroscience. And then we also on that same line explore trauma and trauma-informed practice so that because sexuality is an area where there is a lot of trauma for a a huge amount of women when we feel pleasure and we are smacked with shame or we feel like old things come up in relationship to how we relate to our body, how we can meet them and facilitate not therapy because it's definitely, this is definitely not a therapeutic practice. I would say it's more of an artistic practice. And then all the practical things that come with facilitating. So it's got those two streams because I really want people to have amazing embodiment practices and tools that they can share with women. And I also feel like in the realm of embodiment and sexuality and even into the tantra field, there's just so much room for improvement in facilitation that it can be done Mm -hmm. a whole lot better and I've tried a lot of things, I've made lots of mistakes and I've gained a lot of really good skills that I want to pass on to people. Mm-hmm. First of all, this training and how I know about it is because when I asked around about, okay, well, what kind of, you know, I'm, I'm feeling like I want to do more training in embodiment or whatever. And this facilitation training that you can't that you came up with now and starting was one of the recommendations that I got. You know, I was like, oh, check out Holly because she's coming up with this and it's really amazing and this is what I would do. So I know that this is going to be an amazing um, training. I have already done, well, fortunately, unfortunately. Well, I mean, it depends. Like we can talk about who is this for, really. 
But I'm curious, like you said, you know, in your events and the workshops, you you haven't transferred them online. And now we're talking about a facilitation training that you are doing online. So is this you teaching them online how to do this? There's embodiment practices, but that's really for somebody who wants to facilitate like in-person workshops or also online workshops. Yeah, so it is taught through the lens of teaching group classes or workshops or retreats in person. And the work that I was referring to that I haven't taken online is specifically this Shiva Shakti dance modality, which is the workshops you're familiar with and that I'm describing. But central embodied dance is the framework that sits underneath it. So you could actually use this framework online, and I have taught it online successfully quite a few times. You could use it in mixed in with other modalities so for instance we've got a psychologist and a yoga teacher and a coach and a personal trainer and people who have all different backgrounds and they just want to bring a powerful embodiment element into what they're doing so it's kind of giving you this framework and tools of this is how you lead someone into a deep embodiment experience and you could also use this if you wanted them to specifically experience polarity in their relationship or you specifically want to connect with the mother wound or you specifically want to teach them how to I don't know do a lap dance or you specifically want to teach them how to like create this empathetic connection with people so they're kind of tools that you can use for all different purposes I've taken them and put them within the context of Shiva Shakti dance that has a particular flavor but these are kind of the, the underlying framework that you could use online, off in-person, group classes. You could use it with individuals, mix it with a modality. I really want to encourage women to take it and kind of find their own magic and uniqueness yeah. with how they want to deliver it. Makes sense. So I understand that very well, because obviously, just like any certification, any good certification that would give you a framework of how to like what I did, right? So I'm a feminine embodiment coach, I've done my training certification, I learn how to coach people in feminine embodiment. And then of course, you kind of find your offer and your niche in that in like what you're really good at and what you're passionate about. And find that specific thing that you want to bring in that framework and then that would sit on that framework. And that's how you would yeah. deliver your work, deliver your coaching, deliver whatever you want to deliver with that framework in mind. Yeah, exactly. Although it does, you can actually, I'm just thinking if women are thinking, oh, but I don't already do something, but I'm interested in this central embodied dance on its own also can be delivered as central embodied dance. You don't have to add anything to it. it mm-hmm. You can, but you don't have to. It is, it's, it's a complete body of work as it is also. Yeah, beautiful. So tell us mm-hmm. more where, where women can find more and I'm assuming you're doing discovery calls to make sure that. Yeah, and I'm happy to chat with anyone who's interested. So it's at www.centralembodiedance.com and I assume you might put it in the show notes. Yes, I will. Yeah, and on there you can find everything out about the facilitator training and you can book a call with me or um, apply and we can chat and find out if it's something that suits you. Yeah, awesome. So everybody who's listening to this, because I know there's a lot of women who are in those kind of, you know, professions and they're interested, I highly encourage you that you check it out because Holly is amazing. Mm. So one last topic that I want to cover with you, Holly, is neuroscience. 
Which, mm, just, just, a, just a quick topic. Yeah, just, just a <laughs> quick one. Because you mentioned your signs and how. So first, I love the streams that you have and all these practices. And I'm actually myself. I'm just so curious about what, what you're putting out there. My year is already full with, I think I, like I signed up for two big trainings. And then, of course, my pregnancy and the baby. And I'm like, shit, how am I going to do all of that? But okay. And then perhaps, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sure you're going to be running this again. So we'll see if I want to join next round. I mean, it sounds amazing. A dance-induced orgasm. Yeah, you know what? I think the title <laughs> of this episode is going to be called Where Dance-Induced Orgasm Meets Neuroscience. We're holding with that. That's what it's all about. Yeah. So, so I find it fascinating that you bring in neuroscience into something that is so, how shall I describe it? It's so like sensual and experiential. Like I've never heard anyone bring in neuroscience into this. I mean, of course, like, you know, during my certification, we talked about like parasympathetic system and the nervous system and everything. But like, that's not something we really focus on. Like we explain what happens in the body, that there's, there needs to be a lot of safety and, you know, like um, the nervous system needs to calm down and feminine embodiment, hemming a body, all of that. But I'm not particularly familiar with the neuroscience aspect of it, mm. especially when it comes to feminine embodiment. You said triggers and things like that. So, yeah, I'm really curious about, tell us more about that. Yeah. And if you could also talk a little bit about, so when you in the beginning, when you started talking about that switch, Mm. I'm also curious because from a scientific perspective, like when I talk about in general, feminine and masculine, when we talk about those, I know that in scientific terms, they could talk about this as like left brain, right brain type of a thing, you know, and how I looked at it. Because I was really curious, you know, I had this idea or philosophy that women obviously have a different body to men and women are much more fulfilled when they're living out of their feminine essence in relationships, but also in life. So we're not the same. And men are much more fulfilled when they're living out of their masculine essence. Yeah, we all have both because we activate that action-oriented masculine. I mean, we get shit done, but then we also mm. activate both. But my belief and my experience has been that it's different for men and women. So I'm curious through this also, if you can talk about through this neuroscience perspective, because I I know there's also research done, like you said, men are much more aggressive. They're much more risk takers, um, you know, women much more risk averse. And as you said, there's all these differences. So Mm -hmm. yeah, if you could talk about that a little bit too, I'm I'm interested. Yeah. um, The two men, so, hmm. So neuroscience covers the brain and the nervous system, right? That's it's a that's what the whole study is of. And the two particular facets that interest me the most is around transformation and kind of neuroplasticity, how we change our experience of the world and how that happens in our body. And then the second, which answers the question you've just asked, is more about the Uh, the differences in how circuits in our body operate when we are in what we might call a masculine and a feminine way of being because there is an underlying biology that's happening when we're enacting those those two different parts of ourselves and it's a bit more complex than left brain right brain it's a lot about the different neurochemicals that we actually have in our brain and 
those are acting so quickly and moment to moment, whether you're um, so for, to try and pass it out to make it more simple, we could say, so dopamine, we have two things in our body that make us feel good. If I were going to generalize, we have dopamine and we have serotonin. And there's, there's a few others, um, but you can think of we've got dopamine is this neurochemical that is released in the body to move us towards things. So it's coupled with another uh, chemical called norepinephrine that's a bit like adrenaline in the body. And when you feel those things together, you have a kind of sense of agitation or motivation to move towards something. So if you don't eat for a while, you start to feel this kind of like gnawing feeling that moves you towards going to get food and then you eat some food and you get some dopamine release and you also get dopamine release on the way to going to get that food. You could look at it as a system in the body that moves you, that is designed to move you towards things. So think about, you know, evolutionary, it's what would have driven people with scarce resources to go out and find food or to embark in discovering a new piece of land or adventure you can think of it is like the things that move you towards something new and novel so think about that system and then on the other side you have the serotonin system which and then it's called the H&N system that also has oxytocin and endocannabinoids and endorphins all of these feel-good neurotransmitters that give you a sense of fulfillment being where you are right so like you hold your little baby and you're full of serotonin and oxytocin and you don't feel the need to go anywhere, right? You feel content with what you have. You're kind of relishing in the experience that's already there. And so you could say that this is a bit more of a feminine experience. It's often the feeling when you have a newborn that you're, you're kind of disinterested in going and achieving great amounts of work. That you feel this happiness and contentment where you are, or like the endocannabinoid system, it's the same as when you smoke a joint. People who typically are, you know, smoking marijuana don't have this this rush to go and I don't know make a lot of money on the stock market. They just want to sit on the couch and eat on the couch and eat, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this system makes you content with the experience that you're having, and that you could go deeper into the experience that you're having. So I'm really interested in neuroscience, how dopamine may be linked more to testosterone, even though every single individual has both of these systems and it's important that both function well. If you have someone who's dopamine dominant, you have somebody who's tending to be more driven, to take more risks, um, to find new frontiers, to achieve new things because that's what that neurochemical does in your body. If you have somebody who's very, say, like a new mother, who's very um, content where they are and feeling good with what they have, like you will find somebody who typically you would probably describe more as having a feminine nature. They're relishing in the experience that they already have. So I'm really interested at looking how you can have really well-functioning dopamine and serotonin H&M systems in your own body and then, as I mentioned earlier, be able to switch between them because things like they balance each other out. So, for instance, if you're very dopamine-driven or your husband, for instance, is very dopamine-driven and then you introduce touch that is 
promoting oxytocin release in the body, you're naturally going to mitigate that or move into a more feminine, for lack of a better word, experience of connection. Mm -hmm. So same for you. If you've had a really hard day, like driving towards goals and, you know, maybe you've had a hard day but you feel really good because dopamine feels really good, you've achieved a lot, you've been very productive, and then you want to switch into a more feminine way of being, you might do all the practices that promote serotonin in your body. You might eat the foods that promote serotonin in your body, the things that promote like endorphins, like always moving and touching. And there's lots and lots of different tools that neuroscience can provide to be able to switch between those two systems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you're interested now in the feminine and the masculine, for lack of a better word, and how can we bring neuroscience as in like what happens in your brain and then what happens in your nervous system and how can we access both using tools that perhaps some of them are embodiment tools, like you say, touch, but also, you know, other tools that are available to us. But I guess from a more of a scientific perspective, so you want to blend science with art. <laughs> yeah, yeah, why not? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, well, a lot of, you could say in scientific terms, bottom-up processing is what embodiment is. It's allowing the body and nervous system to lead. So often we use our prefrontal cortex and our thinking thought brain to dictate how what we do in the world. And I think in the framework we're talking about, you might call that a masculine way of operating. And then you can let the body inform how you behave in the world which is bottom-up processing, and that would be in this framework a more feminine way Mm -hmm. of of doing. And both have different benefits and you need them in different times. And neuroscience has a lot of applied techniques to be able to promote one system over the other. Right, yeah. And so when we talk about men and women, do Mm. you have any knowledge about it or maybe you're just exploring that now or – in terms of the differences of how, you know, the biological differences or, I mean, I know that obviously there's no brain differences in terms of how female brains or male brains work in terms of scientific. Oh, but, but there is, Anna, but there is. But there is? Okay. <laughs> yeah. well, me, oh, I know. Look, I mean, all of the research, it's like, no, I, what I mean, I guess, from my very limited knowledge of all of this is, you know, like IQ levels, for example, or mm. intelligence and all of that. Like there's absolutely no difference in that. But there is difference in terms of like, I guess, I mean, I have no idea what I'm talking about, but from what I know, I guess I remember <laughs> now. It's like, ooh, where did I hear that from? You know, like, for example, yeah. maybe women access better their left brain or right brain. Like I have no idea, but I'm very curious because obviously, as I told you, in my experience, you know, that feminine part of a woman who is to me is biologically and evolutionarily primed to not always go, go, go because A, she has a cycle, her body works different, not sure about the brain. And then same for a man, you know, evolutionary speaking, biologically speaking, hormonally and so on and so forth. Yeah. So just as a really simple example so for instance in between your left and right hemisphere you have this tissue and in women it's quite thick and so women have a lot of crossover between left and right Mm -hmm. brains like we have that capacity and men are more dominant on the left side 
So, like, that's just a really simple example. But there's actually a woman, and I'm only starting to explore this. There's a woman actually in Sydney. Her name's Dr. Sarah McKay, and she's a neuroscientist for maybe 30 years, and she has a book called The Women's Brain Book where she's exploring specifically the effects on a female's brain with pregnancy, breastfeeding, menopause, puberty, like all of these uniquely female experiences, they have a different signature in the body. And um, I'm really, because I was talking to a friend about this recently and she expressed that she was concerned about if we are delineating that women's brains do certain things and men's brains do certain things, she was worried that that would be used against us, that we won't get equal options because, oh, women are really good at nurturing and so we're not going to employ them in the same way as a man because yeah. they're not as good as it. The brain science says it. Like she, And I think that's a valid um, concern that happens when you go down the biological route. So I want to just put as a caveat that as you explore the difference between men and women's brains and that we have different abilities and gifts, that it just because there's a biology there, it doesn't negate that you can't actualize yourself in a different way to what your biology dictates. Mm-hmm. You know, just because you might have an innate joy and skill and pleasure at nurturing doesn't mean you can't be an amazing woman in your work domain or the CEO of a company or a great leader in a, you know, a boardroom of men. Which we have seen plenty of examples. 100%. Already. Yeah, but we yeah. also see, Holly, that in the most egalitarian societies, which I'm sure you know, and I know you're actually a fan of Jordan B. Peterson, right? It's like yeah. he talks about the fact that in the most egalitarian societies where it's like literally no bias and there's a lot of, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously there's bias every time. But in those types of societies where women can do, you know, want to be a pilot, want to be an astronaut, like be my guest, you know, there's still, it's amazing how there's still a matter of preference where yeah, women absolutely. prefer to be in positions that are more nurturing and are more, you know, and men prefer to be in positions that are much more risky and things like that. So, yeah, yeah it's it's really interesting. I mean, this subject is fascinating to me, but I see yeah. what you mean, that point of like, oh, okay, you know, if we can confirm that women are much more developed in that nurturing side, does that mean that, all right, if you're much more developed in the nurturing side, there's no place for you, you know, in, in whatever masculine areas there? Yeah. Yeah. I would really like to see the differences celebrated a lot more between male and female, but people not being boxed in by them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have, there's equal opportunity to do whatever you want and you're biologically having some proclivities and preferences towards things. Right, which I think a lot of the times, I mean, we, we already see that. Like, for example, when we think about work in general and women getting pregnant and women breastfeeding, like work environment, of course it's not everywhere, but work environments are adjusting themselves to those needs, right? Yeah. Like if you are pregnant and whatever, then, you know, you take maternity leave right? Like, or, or paternity leave, you know, if you're breastfeeding, obviously men are never breastfeeding. So it's like, all right, here's the difference. We're accommodating for that, but it doesn't mean that, I mean, this is a, such a fascinating subject to discuss. Mm. And I'm happy that you're looking at the neuroscience side of it. I know you kind of, I mean, you already know a lot from 
what it seems. But I know you're now embarking on a journey of like diving even deeper into that. Yes, I'm definitely in the uh, realizing how much I don't know phase of learning. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, neuroscience, hello. Uh, Yeah, that's one of the most complicated (laughs) subjects for sure. All right, awesome. Let's finish off here, Holly. I'm extremely grateful for your presence and for this talk. We're definitely going to link to in the show notes to your facilitator training. Super excited that you're doing that. Highly encourage everybody who's interested to check it out centralembodiedance.com and yeah hopefully we're going to come together again maybe this year maybe next year and yeah. see what are you up to then some more babies <laughs> I know it's like oh more babies came up uh, after a year oh yeah cool is there anything that you'd love to add to our conversation or express before we finish or maybe a message that you want to pass uh, on to women Hmm. I would just like to encourage women if they have a a desire or even a curiosity to explore embodiment to just start in the smallest of ways and to feel a moment's pleasure with your own body and and then another moment's pleasure and another uncomfortable moment of feeling and then another uncomfortable and then another moment of pleasure and to um be curious in exploring what your body has to offer you because it's a incredible world within every single woman. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Okay, cool. Well, thanks mm. so much, Holly. Thanks so much, Anna. It's lovely talking yeah. to you. We'll talk soon again. Thank you. <laughs> okay, thanks. Beautiful women, hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please charge your karmic energy and share it with a girlfriend who needs to hear this episode, especially if you think she's someone who's interested in uh, exploring more about holy facilitation training and embodiment. So you can find all the show notes and links at girlskill.com slash 180, hang on a second, 189. This is episode 189. You can uh, share the link straight from your podcasting app or just send her there. All right. Thank you so much. If you have a second, I would love if you could leave a rating and review for the podcast. It helps me so much to attract more women like you and share the goodness. Thank you. And I'll see you next week. All right, girlfriends, hope you enjoyed listening or watching to this episode. And if you did, and if you resonate with most of the things I'm saying, and you want to learn more, and you want to finally start attracting masculine men, I have an invitation for you. So as you know, I am committed and passionate about helping successful women attract and keep committed masculine men. So I have a personal invitation for you. If you're resonating with everything and you're ready to step up and invest in yourself and take things to the next level, I would love, love, love to talk to you and see if you would be a fit for my work and what I do. And so basically what I'm doing is I'm inviting you and it's a personal invitation If you, only if you resonate because I don't work for, with everyone and I'm not here to just, you know, make a quick buck and whatever. I'm here committed to your result and I will make sure that we go until the end and that we get you the result that you want which is start attracting better men so I invite you to sign up to actually apply for a free 
discovery call with me. It's a call that is one hour long. And what we do is we talk about your current situation, where you are today, and what's wrong, quote unquote, wrong with your dynamics with men, what you don't like. And then we're going to talk about what you really want and where you want to get. And at the end, if I find that that's a good fit, I'll tell you what I do and I'll offer you to join us and uh, how we could work together. So just to give you a bit of context, this, this experience is all about and what I'm going to offer to only if I find that that's a good fit is about number one, putting yourself in the best position to start attracting committed masculine men and not through tactics and techniques or tips, tricks, whatever, but just by being you and understanding and appreciating men, thus creating a deeper relationship with yourself as a feminine essence woman and attract better committed masculine men. Number two, it's all about letting go of overworking perfectionism and the need to control by overcoming your limiting beliefs, patterns, and obstacles to rediscover your worth and enoughness and rebuilding your faith in your own voice, in your own decisions, and exploring your boundaries and so on and so on. Number three, it's all about letting your body lead. Stop overthinking and start trusting your gut and your heart when it comes to making decisions, expanding and embracing your range of emotions, cultivating sense of awareness and pleasure and feeling more without apologizing for it. And I know if you're here, you understand and you know that the path to your masculine man who's a conscious, healthy man is through you, is through embracing your feminine nature, is through running with the wolves and embracing your wild feminine side and actually gaining power from it. And a healthy masculine man will only be attracted to that if you get to that place yourself. And last but not least, it's all about becoming deeply connected to yourself as a woman. Understand what true femininity is exploring deeper levels of intimacy, and finally becoming free, lighter, and open. Embracing basically the feminine side of polarity, because again, this is what your masculine man wants. And it's all about stop living in the masculine energy by pushing, doing, and choosing all the time and start living. Enjoy freedom and your wild nature where you can surrender, where you can finally let go. Trust me, this is an amazing place to be and it's easy and joyful and it feels natural and feels like a woman. So if you resonate, go to girlskill.com apply and there's going to be a short survey, step one. Just apply there and then the next step is to schedule a call with me. It's going to be an hour. We have fun on this call, so I hope to see you there. And my, my calendar is booked for another, I mean, booked. My calendar is open for another week. So go ahead and do that. If you don't see times that are available for you, make sure you email me because I'll always make time for you to make sure that you get your spot. All right, girlfriend, keep running with wolves and I'll see you next week. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>